the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. I got a news flash for you guys. You're not going to believe this. I mean, it's hard to comprehend, but there's a lot of strife in this world. There's a lot of division. There's a lot of hatred right now. People's tempers are all bunched up and flaring. People are taking sides and they're just waiting for the, the bell to go ding so they can start throwing punches. It's a crazy time in which we live. Never has a nation been so blessed. Never has a nation been handed so many gifts, so much prosperity and so much peace, and then turn and be so unsatisfied, ungrateful, unholy. We're living in a strife-filled world right now. And look at the person to your left. Unless you're Vicki Patterson, then you might need to look to the right. Just kidding. <clears throat> but no. Because <laughs> Johnny's on your left. <clears throat> but, <laughs> but look at that person next to you and know that they are the answer for America. Big brothers and sisters in the body of Christ who will take their place. And do the right thing. And show this world. Set examples. Show this world Jesus. Know Him so that you can show Him. Amen, Brother Tom? Know Him so that you can show Him. Turn to Proverbs 6. Verse 16. Proverbs 6. 16. I'm going to read it out of the New American Standard Bible. I don't know if we have that version. Yeah, we do. Okay. Here are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to Him. So six things He hates, and the seventh one is a big one. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that run rapidly to evil. A false witness who utters lies and the seventh one which is an abomination and one who spreads strife among the brethren or among the brothers. Say strife. We're going to talk about strife tonight. And, and he didn't just say that it's an abomination because the world spreads strife. He expects them to spread strife, but he says one who spreads strife among the brothers. He's saying one that, that comes into my house spreading strife. 
He's saying, don't bring that stuff into my house. It's an abomination. Strife. Say strife. James 3.16 says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Strife is linked to confusion and evil. And it has no place in the body of Christ. Not in God's house. And that's not the church I want to go to. Is it yours? We're starting a new series on Wednesdays. The no strife life. The no strife life. We're going to talk about ways to, to root out strife in our lives, in our families, and our church. Tonight we're going to talk a lot about the church. We're, we're going to talk about what strife is tonight and, and what it does and what, why God doesn't like it. Today's message is called the community pool. The community pool. Now i got another news flash for you. Newsflash, the Passion Church is not a perfect church. I know that's hard for you to believe. But you know how I know? Because I go here. <laughs> that's how I know. <laughs> and it will never be the perfect church as long as I'm going here. I know when uh, you know I'm not just making mistakes now I've been I got a long track record of mistakes you've heard some of my stories right Chad and some of them are true you've heard some of the dumb stuff I did I mean I did so much dumb stuff in my life that the Lord had me start writing newspaper articles to tell everybody and he finally just had to stop me because I wasn't even through yet I wrote 94 stories about dumb things that I did and what the Lord taught me through. And I was still going strong when he told me to stop writing. <laughs> uh, one of the things I remember about the church, the first time that I had any responsibility in the church, I was a new believer. I told you guys I got saved here, right? And it didn't take me but about a month and, and the praise and worship leader run off and went to another church or something. And so they put me in. In the position, I was a baby Christian. I didn't know what the world. And so the first week, I started recruiting a choir without asking pastor or nothing. I started passing out choir robes. I had, one, one Sunday, Pastor Buddy was up here preaching to the congregation. He comes back the next Sunday, and, and the whole congregation's back there behind him in the choir. And he ain't got anybody to preach to. He's like... And he went to me. He said... Guy, now while it's fine that you want a big choir, but shouldn't some of these people belong to the church? Where did we get that many robes? Some of them up there with the robes, you know, over their knees and to, to mismatch robes and everything. I mean, couldn't sing a lick, but the, hey, I want to be on the choir. Anybody, everybody that wanted to be on the choir, I'll let them on the choir. I thought, hey, this is good. We're going we're gonna to have the world's biggest choir, but pastor didn't think so. And so he told me that there were certain qualifications to be in ministry and that ministry position and everything. So I had, sadly, I had to go back and I had to call most of the folks that next week and say, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead of myself. I, I pastor said, I can't have that big a choir and everything. And he kind of likes it with the, you know, 
10 or 12 that we already have. And, it, you know, he needs somebody to listen to his sermons. And so, <clears throat> and some people was kind of, what? I ain't good enough? You know, they got mad. I don't know. I already told my, my cousin Eddie to come watch me sing, you know. And I, it was, a lot of people was mad. And, uh, but, but they got over it. I did a lot of uh, backpedaling and said a lot of, I'm sorry. Uh, and that was unusual for me back at the time, but I knew I'd messed up. So I said, I'm sorry. And they forgave me. And so that was my first chance at, you know, having responsibility here at the church. But I also remember early on when I was that new believer, I was so on fire. I, I was just ready to do anything. So I was showing up for prayer. That's, there's an idea for people who love Jesus. But anyway, I was showing up for passion. It wasn't passion prayer, but it was spirit of life, corporate prayer. And I'm telling you, there were some people in that group that could probably raise some folks from the dead. I'm talking to some, what's his name again? Well, Smith Wigglesworth. There were some there were some Wigglesworth kin in that group there. I'm telling you, they could pray the house of fire. And some of you know some of them still still out there and can pray. You might have been there. Some of you in, in here might have been there at the time. Real prayer warriors. And they would pray the the house of fire. And I got in there with them. And I you know, I didn't even know how to tell the old testament from the New Testament yet, you know. But as soon as they would be quiet for a moment, I would take the lead. <laughs> I ain't kidding. And I would pray, and I would shout, and I would get up, and I'd walk around, and I would just, I would just tell God everything that came to my heart. And I, you know, and I didn't know it at the time, but when I would look at some of those prayer warriors, they'd be suppressing a grin, you know, that <laughs> they'd be like, mm -hmm. keep going, you know, for the next twenty minutes, you know, I'd be, I'd, I'd hog all the prayer time. But I remember when I would leave, I would think. I sure showed them how to pray. You know, I was so proud. <laughs> and I'd go to leave, you know, and they would just pat me on the shoulder. You're doing good. You're doing good. You just, you just keep coming. You just keep coming and you're going to learn, you know. But they was merciful to me. And I, I will always thank them for that. I will always remember how merciful they were to me because what? I was just a, a baby Christian. I was just excited and couldn't hold it in. I had to have some avenue to get it out. And they were just, they were probably grinning and laughing under their breath, but they were also excited for me. And they were willing to do what? Work with me. They were willing to, to believe the best for me, even if it disrupted their prayer meeting a little bit, you know, maybe a lot. But they showed me mercy. You know, we can pick everything everybody does apart point out faults and, and, you know, just be upset every time something doesn't fit just right, just the way we picture church to be. Every time some newbie does something, they don't know what they're doing, we can just get mad at them. Or we can have a happy, warm, fun-loving church. You want me to give you the hands? Which, which one do you want? Because you can't have both of them. We have to be, now I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep reminding you, I'm, I'm glad I'm preaching it to you tonight, because I'm not talking about you per se, because you are the ones that are here, you're the big brothers and sisters, and what I'm preaching to you is to encourage you, as we talk about strife and we identify strife tonight, you start being the keepers of the culture here in the church. You are the ones that don't, you know what that'll do to the church when we start pointing fingers. 
Right? So I'm asking you, as the big brothers and the big sisters, with the advent of social media in today's society where you can get on somewhere and just let somebody have it, and everybody's got an opinion about everything, and they think they can just destroy whoever they want to without consequences, you know, not even, they might not even know who you are, you know, from a, I can do all this. It's the age of outrage. And everybody's got an opinion, and everybody thinks that theirs is the only one that matters. And so we're living in an opinionated world where everybody thinks, I've got a right to say, and, and I've got a right to my outrage. I've got a right to be offended. They've got all these rights, but nobody wants to defend them. Somebody had to defend America to, to, to make it possible for them to have those rights. Michael Hoodman said, Today it has become fashionable to declare our offense about every little thing. This should have no place in the family of God. In other words, what he's saying is, just because other people are doing it, we're not supposed to join in. We are supposed to stand out. As the world grows darker, we're supposed to what? We're, we're supposed to contrast more. This should have no place in the family of God. While sin should always offend us, we should never draw lines in the sand and create enemies out of anyone. Especially within the church. Strife should be as rare as a snowflake on the equator. Strife among the redeemed is as foreign to who we are as can be. We're supposed to be new create, creations in Christ. Creating strife between brothers and sisters has never been a biblical solution. While it is necessary to expose error and protect the flock from false teachers, God has harsh words for those who create strife between brothers. I remember being in middle school, you know, when young teens are learning their hormones going on and all this, and they're, they're getting big enough that they've got to make some of their own decisions. They're trying to figure out who they are in this world, and they don't know how to act in public <laughs> and, and all this. And they would, you know, they would be bullying folks, some of them going the wrong direction, a lot of them doing stupid stuff, and, it, and they had no filter on their mouth, you know, in junior high. In middle school, people just say evil stuff. There's bullying going on today. And it's, it's terrible. And, and I remember, you know, there'd be some kid to say something about another kid. You know, he's not the fastest running back we got. We got another one. Oh, you saying he's slow? I didn't say he's slow. Oh, let me go tell him. They said, you slow, man. He said he could outrun you. And... He can't outrun me. Yes, he said he could. He, could, he said he could whoop you. <laughs> he better not try. Oh, I'm going to tell him. He said he going to whoop you after school. He said meet him at the tennis court at 430. Pretty soon the whole school showing up at the tennis court, and these two guys that don't really know each other, don't even really know why they're fighting, having to roll up their sleeves, I guess, you know. And that's what this world is getting like. It's being run by middle schoolers. I think our politicians are the worst ones. I'm preaching real good now, ain't I? That's why we need to vote in some godly people. 
But I'm not talking about that tonight. We don't need to act like middle schoolers. The Lord told me a word. He said we need to use discretion. Now I'm not used to wheeling out big words like discretion. And so I thought I better look that up before I use it. Discretion is the quality of behaving or speaking in such a way to, call, to avoid causing offense or revealing private information. When you use discretion, you're trying not to offend somebody and you're trying not to out them. You're trying to not make them, you're not trying to make them look bad. You're trying to say things in a way that you can get maximum effect with your words without offending or without causing them shame. How beautiful it is those few times where you see on the internet where somebody rails on somebody else, but somebody else shows them love and respect in return. And that's how Christians are supposed to behave. We should not rail back, railing for railing, accusation for accusation, evil for evil, but return good for evil, love for hate, light for darkness. And it's our time to shine. Never in the history of mankind have we had more opportunity to let our big light shine. Now, I used to sing this little light of mine, like the original song, but Brother Tom says, no, if you're following Jesus, you got the big light. And that's why we sing the big light. And our big light is supposed to shine in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation in which we're living. And if it's not shining now, is it ever going to? I mean, you don't have to go far to set yourself apart these days. You just got to have a kind word. All right, I've got seven results of strife in the church that I'm going to share with you. The first one is, the first result of having strife in the church is that it's hard for strife and love to coexist. Where there's strife, there's every evil work, right? Doesn't sound like a loving environment. Proverbs 10, 12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. See, we want to go to a church where people, we can tell people our problems without them blabbing it. That they'll cover it and help us get through our issues. It's hatred that stirs up strife. Number two, strife destroys unity. Proverbs 16, 28 says a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. See, a troublemaker, all he's got to do is plant some seeds like them middle schoolers. Do you hear what he said? Hear what she said? Did you know what she's doing? You'd be... Ain't she making a fool out of herself? Stirring up planting seeds of strife and gossip, rumors, all those things separate the best of friends. I wonder how many people at this church have come here, new people that are feeling a little insecure or whatever, come in the door and, and one awkward word, something that they hear, or they've come here a while and somebody's don't like the way they dress or they 
somebody gets it, it gets back to them or something. Just one little comment separates them from the church. I'm out of here. We need to be so careful with the words that we say and the seeds that we spread. Because I don't want to be the one to stand before Jesus and say, and he say, you see these seven people over here? I worked their whole life to get them to come to church and you ran them all off. And it happens. It happens. I know, I know personally since I've been here some people that had have left because of yang, yang, yanging in the background. Lord help us. We can do better. We can do better. Number three, strife is a sign of immaturity in a believer. It just shows that you need to grow up. You're still in middle school. You might not even made it to middle school yet if you're spreading strife. Proverbs 23 says, It is an honor for a man to cease from strife. It is an honor. But every fool will be meddling. Do I need to pull the hands out on that? Honorable man, a fool. Number four, strife confuses the watching world. Why in the world do they want to come to a church that's got as much drama as they got at home? Number five, strife alienates baby Christians because they're like new, they're just learning, they're feeling insecure already, and people start pointing at them and you don't know what you're doing. That's not the way we do things. Yaggity, yaggity, yag. Uh, maybe I don't fit in. They're already thinking they're, they're supposed to be some kind of cookie-cutter Christian when they first get saved. They don't know that God loves our individuality. They don't know, know that God created us different to be different. And who are we to sit in here and tell them that they ain't doing it our way and it's wrong? Remember, you're the big brothers and sisters. I'm not fussing. There's some people I'd like to fuss. No, just <clears throat> Where I'm at, number six, strife distracts us from our ultimate purpose of making disciples. If we got to spend all our time backpedaling and, and having meetings that, for people to tell each other they're sorry and to work out their differences and just all that going on all the time, then we're getting distracted. We, we can't get to where we need to go. I mean, all this here takes some unity. And God's not going to be in a bunch of strife. We're not going to get to where we need to get if there's strife in the house. You know why the presence of God is here? Because there's unity and love here. And there's people that want to know Him. And we need to protect that. That's why I love this church. Seven, stirring strife stunts your own growth. If I had a dollar for everything they told me when I was growing up, it would stunt my growth. But strife will stunt your spiritual growth. Turn to 1 Corinthians 3. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Apostle Paul is talking to this crazy church in Corinth. 
If you read First and Second Corinthians, the books, you see that he's dealing with all kind of a variety of issues. This is like the craziest church, you know, this just in excess in every area. And he says, "Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to someone spiritual. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world and as though you were infants in Christ, still babies." He said, I had to feed you with milk like a baby. I had to put a little bottle in your mouth. You're not ready for solid food because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another. You quarrel with one another. Doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? See, he's making a clear distinction. In one, one scripture he says, aren't you acting like mere humans? I think it might be the same scripture in the King James. Aren't you acting like just regular humans? Like the Holy Spirit didn't live in it? Like you're not grieving the Holy Spirit that God has given you? Acting like that? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you just acting like people of the world? Aren't you just quibbling over silly stuff? You know, our church is, has been blessed. I mean, I, I don't know, early on, I was in that baby bubble, Christians, and, and I don't know if there was strife there or not, I wouldn't have recognized it. You know, if them, them people at prayer would have told me, man, you, you got a long way to go, I'd have said, amen, brother, and I wouldn't even pay attention. I was so on fire for Jesus. But since I, since I started paying attention, <laughs> I just feel like one of the greatest assets that God has given us is this strife, pretty much strife-free environment. Now, there's issues I mean, you can have two of the godliest children in the world, and they're going to fight sometimes in the back seat. You understand that? There's going to be issues. There's going to be sparks flying sometimes. But for the most part, we stomp that stuff out. And I'll give credit to Pastor Buddy. I'll give credit to Pastor Billy. I'll give credit to Pastor Paul. We have always tried to protect the anointing here and not let evil of strife, in this place. And I love it. But it's a fight. And that's why I, I didn't know why God asked me to preach on this. I've been kind of like, God, you know, for, you know, for a long time I was just preaching on big vision stuff. And I was like, they're going to get tired of me just talking about the vision all the time. Where we're going and, and big stuff, you know, and why God did this. And I was just, for a long time, and I was like, God, I need to get down in the in the meet and do some things on how to do, do your life better or whatever. Then now I'm preaching on marriage and here I'm preaching on this and I found myself out there, God, am I ever going to get back to the vision? <laughs> but God knows what he's doing, okay? I, and I just had to say, God, you know what you're doing. But it is a fight. And I don't know if, if we're about to engage in something Why he's bringing this out now that we need to be ready for. But maybe not because it's always a fight. There is always a, a, a temptation to let your flesh get jealous and quarrelsome and, and yang, yang, yang coming out of your mouth. There's always a fight. 
And I believe he really wanted you big brothers and sisters to be ready in case any of this breaks out in the, in the house. God needs you to take the lead in this. But I want you to help me enforce a zero strife tolerance policy here at the Passion Church. Now you say, well, I ain't got no clout here. I can't tell nobody what to do. Well, you don't have to be involved in the gossip. You don't have to join in the quarreling and you don't have to point any fingers. You don't have to do any backbiting or tell any rumors. And one of the things you can do is cease from any activity that's going on like that. If somebody comes to you and starts that, even if it's a good friend, even if somebody you respect, even if it's me, you can say, you remember that scripture, Pastor, you remember that, that message you told not long ago and here you are talking about somebody? <laughs> Now Mary's probably sitting back here. I've heard you say some things, Pastor. You know, in some of them meetings, Pastor. You, you know, I'm human. We're all human. We all have the tendency, right? One of the things I wanted to say, as someone who could have been criticized for taking over the prayer meeting early on, is let's not criticize the way folks worship. Big brothers and big sisters, are you hearing me? Let's not, different people express themselves in different ways. And I believe, I have heard some rumblings in the near distant past about certain folks that, that do certain things, that irritate certain folks. I don't want to stand before God and say I judged His people on the way that their relationship is between them, okay? I don't think you do either. Uh, if you go to our website, and, and if you look us up on the internet, I think you'll see the word full gospel. That means most people who come here, if they're new, they kind of expect to be loud or expect to be expressive because we're advertising we're a full gospel church. Okay, so we've kind of laid back in the last few years and we're not as expressive as a lot of full gospel churches. I think a lot of, we're just flowing in the Spirit and that's where the Spirit is right now. But if someone comes in here and they want to lift their hands and they want to shout hallelujah, even if they talk during the sermon and, and help me preach sometimes. <laughs> you know, it doesn't bother me that much. There are, can I be honest? Because I, ha I, I was the one that they had mercy on. We need to give people time to assimilate to the way we kind of do things. And maybe we need to change some of the ways we do things. Maybe it wouldn't be bad for some of us to raise our hands and shout hallelujah. 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 Maybe it wouldn't be bad for some of us to remember we're a full gospel church. And when Richard jumps up and runs around the church, it might not be bad for us to jump up and run with him. <clears throat> but you know if, if if people are more reserved and they can close their eyes 
and they get it and they're connecting with Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyhow. Paul told that church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians, we had to write him another letter. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 12, 20, he says, I'm afraid that when I come, I won't like what I find. And you won't like my response. I'm afraid that I will find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, Gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. Now let me finish up what I was saying. I don't mind if people talk back to me sometimes when I'm preaching or, or if people get loud and demonstrative during praise and worship. Typically doesn't bother me. Now if I notice somebody is out of line and they're doing it to draw attention and I notice that it's disrupting the service, I feel like, as the pastor, I, you know, I will go to them. And I have went to some people if I feel like that they're doing it just to draw attention to themselves. And, and so, so there's balance, right? There's balance. But if somebody comes in here and that's the way they're used to worshiping the Lord, I'm, I'm happy for them. And I wish that we would soften and let people express themselves to God and be more welcoming of all Kinds of worship. Don't bring no tambourines. I'm saying. I'm saying. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. You can bring a tambourine if if you move all the little bells. Take all the bells off. All right. Man, y'all ain't gonna let me finish my message. All right, I'm gonna have to go quick now. Y'all ready to listen real fast? What is it? <laughs> it's easy to think that just saying something, having somebody off to the side saying, did you see so-and-so at the service? That's just, uh, they shouldn't do that. That's, uh, that's embarrassing. This You think, well, I'm just talking to them. You know, they, and nobody else is going to know. It's okay to share it with my friend. You know, I got to tell somebody. We think these little little seeds of strife don't make a difference but it's the little foxes that that ruin the vine it's a bunch of that going on that, that'll just it'll it'll eat the anointing away from the bottom up see god is watching all of this and the devil knows that it just takes a little spark to kindle a big forest fire and burn down everything that he's tried to build here and he's just he's wanting to use your mouth do you want to be a tool of the devil? Where there's strife, there's what? Division and every evil work. What is the first one? Confusion, that's right. Confusion and every evil work. You know, everybody... No, I'm just going to skip that part. Too many people in America have thrown off restraint. Jesus told us a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And America has taken sides. And we are divided and we don't know all it's cost us already. 
But the world is laughing at us. The the church can help turn the tide. We need to set the example and show people we need to bring. You may be on one side, you may be on the right, left, politically, wherever you're at. But that don't mean you got to have no hating going on because you just believe different. We're not called to that. We need to be, especially within our church, we need to set the example of unity. God's plan is peace, joy, unity, one accord, one heart, one mind. People on the same page. Now I'm not saying that we'll never disagree about issues, but certainly on the major issues that we, we, we all agree on, and we can you know, debate the rest, but we need to do it in a spirit of love with the hopefulness that we can, we can get beyond our, our disagreements. What is it? First Corinthians or second here? First Corinthians 1.10. Apostle Paul, still dealing with these people in Corinth. He said, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. How many divisions? Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. No divisions. Like I said, doesn't mean we're not going to disagree on some things. But our heart is to be together and and work towards unity. And we're not going to allow somebody to run our brother and sister down. What I'm asking you as big brothers and big sisters in the church is to nip it in the bud, Andy. Nip it. Nip it, Andy. When they start talking about somebody in the church, you don't have to be mean and sow discord towards them. You say, I love your brother, but I'm trying not to spread rumors and talk about people anymore. I'm trying to serve the Lord. If, you, if it's a serious issue to you, then you, you probably need to go tell them. If you can't say it to their face, don't say it. Amen? Because it's not just wrong to be the one saying it, it's wrong to be the one sitting there listening to it and agreeing with it. Or maybe you don't even agree with it, but you're just sitting there listening to it and not confronting the strife being spread. You guys are strife killers. This is a hospital. We have broken people. We have new babies in the maternity ward here. New baby Christians. You know, we got. How silly is it to go to the hospital and point at you? Hi, you got a broke leg. Look at you. You can't even feed yourself. Get up from out of that little crib thing. What's wrong with you? Because you've been saved for four years now, and you know everything. (laughs) what you know everything and now you you want to tell somebody else (laughs) it's kind of crazy Philippians 2 3 says let nothing be done through strife or vain glory vain glory means all about my glory vain glory let nothing be done through strife or vain glory But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. You ever been to a swimming pool and they always have the list of rules at the swimming pool? 
no running, no diving, no glass allowed, no pets. They don't really have to put the part about don't pee in the pool that you're going to be swimming in, do they? I mean, that just goes without saying. Don't pee where you got to swim. And bringing strife to your church is like peeing in the community pool that we're all swimming in. That's where I got the title, community pool. How about let's keep the water clean around here, amen? I'll finish with Colossians 3.13. says, make allowances for each other's faults. Allowances. What does that make? Make allowances for each other's faults. So somebody could actually be wrong and you be right, but you're still not going to hammer them. You'll make allowances. You'll have empathy. You'll understand where they are coming from, that they need, need time. They don't say, maybe you could step in and help them. Give them some advice without telling everybody else, did you know I had to do this for so-and-so? Because they're doing this. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. That's where it really, the rubber meets the road. That's when it gets tough. When you want to spread, somebody spread strife on you and you want to return evil for evil. Remember the Lord forgave you, you must forgive others. Above all, close yourself with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And that's probably the polar opposite of strife. Perfect harmony. That's what God seeks for His children. And that's what's going to be the rocket fuel in this church that's going to propel us to where we need to get. That's what's already gotten us this far. That's what's already God is, is laying some stuff on us. I mean, He's given us direction. And it's getting good. And because when people come in here, they feel love and they feel like people would make allowances for their faults. Give them time. Give the Holy Spirit time to work on them. Not judging. Not, not playing the sin police. But us giving other people some space some advice, a helping hand instead of judging and pointing. It's the kind of church that people want to go to in this world as it gets darker, they're going to want this place more. So my dear older brothers and sisters in the Lord, see yourself as a keeper of the culture here at the Passion Church. Make sure nobody lets go in the pool that we all got to swim in. for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.